The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. Hi everyone, I'm Macca19 and this is the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast, coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. Joining me once again is the lovely Porsche. How are you going? Yeah, look, I'm going a lot better than Jackson Trango right now, who uh, obviously had a bit of a nasty altercation and is wandering around with a big black eye. So, uh, yeah, that's not the best, but um, hopefully... Nothing like a shiner on a uh, Saturday night, is there? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit rough, isn't it? I mean, I've got to say, though, who'd be going to have a crack at Jackson? Jeez. (laughs) He's a big boy. He's a very big boy, and uh, he's got that bit of white line fever. Um, Yeah. And I imagine he would have got that look in his eye like, I'm going to kill you in a minute. But uh, thankfully, he um, held back and uh, got out of there quick smart by the sounds of it. Yeah, well, I mean, frankly, like the bloke that hit him, you know, he must have been completely off his face to even consider it. Yeah. <laughs> or he was so, six foot five yourself, like uh, well, himself. Like but... There's not that many of them around. Mm. That's mm. it. Right, let's get into it and uh, do our love and hate. One thing we loved, one thing we hated about Port Adelaide this week. Uh, we'll start with your love, Porsche. Uh, the third quarter. The third quarter because when we were, from when we were four goals up in the first quarter and went into party time, uh, as evidenced by Sangray balking on my 50, uh, we were sort of half-assing it from there and that got Carlton back into it a little bit. Uh, and then the third quarter, obviously, we got told and just came out and absolutely stormed them. So that's definitely it. Yeah. Mine is pretty much the same. That third quarter was as close as perfection defensively as you will ever, ever get in a football game. Carlton had just the one disposal forward of centre for the entire quarter. One disposal. That's nuts. We had 95. (laughs) It's one of the most um, extraordinary statistics I've ever come across, I think, in football. And just goes to show that um, we won literally everything out the middle and um, our defensive structures were absolutely bang on. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a lot easier to, like we were just saying, you know, when we played GWS, it's a lot easier to have a good defensive structure when your midfield's on top uh, and our midfield was very much on top, so that uh, certainly helped a lot. Yeah, for sure. What was your hate this week? Um, Party time in the first quarter. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> For me, I think like those first four goals are great, and then it just looked like there were too many players that don't normally try and pull tricks, suddenly pulling tricks, mm. and that's too early to go into sideshow mode, really. And that showed, and that focus seemed to drop. Our consistency seemed to drop uh, with our going forward, and kind of carried over to the second quarter and let Carlton into the game. Um, yep. Obviously, it's good that we had the third quarter we did, but at halftime I was not. Not expecting to lose, but I was pissy with the way we were going about it. <laughs> oh, that's fair enough. Um, my hate, uh, very hard to find a hate for me this week, I ought to say. Um, so I'll say the crowd I thought was pretty disappointing, only 43,000. I was expecting 48, but. Uh, yeah, but train sure. lines. Uh, the fight, eh, that might have had a, a little bit of an issue, but. I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty disappointing. Friday night footy, um, pretty much a guaranteed win. Uh, I was expecting close to a full house. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. But, I mean, something like a train, like trains are convenient, and then it's like, oh, we've got to get on buses and schlep around and da da da. Like, people will make a decision based on that as much as anything. Yeah. Um, I, want, I want to quickly add another hate, which yep. is that we were one goal short of tripling their score, so I hate that too. Oh, that is frustrating. <laughs> 
Yeah. Very frustrating. Finally, Robbie Gray had kicked uh, one of his 57 behinds in that third or, or, quarter. Or if he'd had that mark in the last quarter paid where it, he landed on the ground and it bounced out of his hands even though it didn't touch the ground at any point they didn't pay the mark. I've got to say, he got absolutely screwed over by oh. the umps on the weekend. Like he, he had two marks, two clear marks which weren't paid um, mm-hmm. and probably should have got at least two or three free kicks, I think, for being held or you know front on contact or you know, yeah something like yeah. that. And it, he just gets nothing, Robbie. Oh, no. I'm not sure what the problem is, but he just regularly gets nothing from the the uh, the umpires. Yeah, no, it's a bit ridiculous. Uh, and look, we're used to this as Port fans that there are players that our Port Adelaide forwards don't have backs and necks. Like we know that that just is the case. Um. We're used to it. I don't know. We're used to it. Maybe that's part of why we recruited Todd Marshall because he's got a lot of neck and might be hard for them to ignore. That's true. That's. <laughs> I like that strategy. That's very good. The, the Beaker strategy. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's harsh. That is harsh. Yeah. Love you, Todd. <laughs> uh, we've only got a couple of questions this week. Uh, the first one is from Pommy Power, and it's uh, red chilies or green chilies. My mouth doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> Got to go red every time. I'm not a big fan of green chilies, but red chilies are uh, one of my favourite things, I would say. From an aesthetic point of view, I'd probably go for red chilies. Mm. Uh, CT Powers asked, um, have we got the right mix of outside mids versus inside mids? I think so. Um, well, okay. Uh, I think that the competition as a whole is very focused on two things, and one is getting the ball and the other is keeping it. Um, so the the importance of getting the ball means you kind of have to wait towards being having inside mids. Um, and, like, there are no – like, back in, you know, 20 years ago, yeah, we had legitimate outside mids, but they don't exist anymore, you know? Yeah. The closest to that is a guy like Dylan Scheel, um, who is good at – with the ball and is good at disposal and all that sort of stuff, but he can still take his hits in the middle as well as anyone. Oh, um, for sure. And – and that's the missing part of, you know, Jared Pollock, who we would all classify as an outside mid. That missing piece of his puzzle has been adding that inside uh, um, survival, I don't know, resilience, inside resilience to his game. And that's what's made him a more complete player. So um, if we are accepting that outside players do require inside play in this league, then I think we've got an okay balance. But it never hurts to add one more damaging um, player that can play a bit of inside and a bit of outside. Yeah. I think our balance is pretty much spot on. All our inside guys can uh, get heaps of it on the outside, and um, our outside guys, as you said, like Polek and uh, even Carl Amon's uh, starting to get a lot more sort of inside bowl as well and uh, throwing himself in, So, uh, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, and, uh, and look, as far as the depth on our list potentially improving, I mean, I think that was sort of the role that we all had hoped um, Brendan Archie might be good for, is that bit of inside, bit of outside. Yeah. Um, that maybe hasn't worked so well. I'd guess Willem Drew might potentially be in a role like that. He might be yeah. a bit more inside, but he could certainly he's got an, he's got enough else to his game that he can play that slightly more link man kind of role. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, in a future perspective, that might be him, and maybe Aiden Johnson after this week. He had a very good first game. He did absolutely. And let's uh, talk about that game. Port played Carlton on Friday night and uh, finished with a big ninety point win, uh, twenty goals seventeen to six goals eleven. Uh, Robbie Gray was the big star with five goals. Jackson Trengove added three in the second half, whilst uh, Charlie Dixon, Jared Pollock, Aaron Young and debutant Aidan Johnson all kicked two goals each. Um, 
So I guess the, the main question, Portia, is why did we win? Uh, is, is it really a question? Um, <laughs> we, no, we talked about, okay, the things we got right in the preview were, um, I think I tipped Robbie Gray to kick a lot of goals, five goals, in fact, I think, so yep. he did that. Casbolt got away from us, which was predictable, we predicted that. Um, really what we predicted is that they didn't have a lot of, they've got a terrible forward line uh, who weren't able to convert when it went up there so rarely. Um, midfield, they were a bit shallow, um, and uh, as far as secondary mids, we were a bit stronger than them, yep. and their defence was just kind of subpar, particularly with Watering playing up forward. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, they they obviously corrected that late in the game, sending Watering back, but um, look, they just don't have the cattle at this point to, to match us uh, when we're focused. Um, when we weren't focused, they managed to claw back a bit, but like we saw in the third quarter, like if we had been that serious all game, like this would have been a huge, huge, huge win. Well, we could have potentially won that by 140 points if we were switched on for the whole game because Carlton just didn't really get a look in for large components of that match. Uh, it was only when we really sort of slowed down and took the foot off the pedal, which is when they started to get the ball out the middle and uh, start to get it inside 50 a bit more. But um, overall, you know, we were just too experienced, too classy. Um, the midfield dominated. Our defence was absolutely spot on. And um, our forward line had a lot of options up there, and uh, pretty much all of them kicked a few goals, which was great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's sort of a, a side effect, I guess, of that um, answering the previous question that we had about, you know, do we have too many inside mids versus outside mids? Is if you're up against a defence that's a bit weak, um, you really want your inside mids because they can just bung it forward as hard as they can, and that really plays into the, our forward line, basically. Yeah. Um, it, it means that Dixon doesn't take a lot of marks on the lead or anything like that, but it does mean our smalls can capitalise. And we saw time and time again, you know, we'd have a, a kick into the forward line and our small would be in better position and get a goal from there or, close, or from a couple of disposals later. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was not not tough. No, not really at all. Um, the main or the big question I got is, were you happy with this win? Because it seemed like on Big Footy a lot of people weren't. I, mm, we, no, well, okay, I'm happy with that we actually got the win and got the percentage that we needed to get out of that. That's good, yes. Result, fine. Uh, that, loss, that loss of focus in the second, we've seen a lot of times. We've seen so many times uh, uh, in the past couple of years. And the fact that that was still there even when we were dominating, that worries me a bit. Um because, as was mentioned last week, when we were told to do homework, which I wasn't particularly pleased with doing, we have a huge we have a huge number of players out of contract this year. And the last time we had a huge number of players out of contract, we made finals. And it looks like we might be able to do that again this week. But knowing that that lapsed focus, that party time bullshit is lurking there, it makes me say we should sign them all only on one-year contracts. Um, it, it's still very much part of the mindset. And that's what I didn't like about this game, is that we did just seem to not give a shit after a, a very short time. You know, four goals up is not the time that you start mucking around. Um, I'm sure we can all remember a classic game between the Bulldogs and West Coast where one team kicked eight goals in the first quarter and the second yeah. team kicked eight goals in the second. That's um, it. It doesn't, take much to, it doesn't take much to turn those games around. So, yeah. uh, mm. No, I do remember that game. I think that was in 1998. That was a yeah, uh, been about very then. interesting game. Fascinating game. I think... I think that was the game when the uh, West Coast Eagles complained about the Bulldogs beating up Michael Gardner from memory. Uh, no, it wasn't that game. Oh, it was a it was a night okay. game. It was like a Monday night game or something like that. 
That's what I remember from it. That was a good era for those two teams. Anyway. It was. It was. Um, look, I was very happy with that win. To be honest. Yes, there was some leerizing at some stages, but overall, um, we could have so easily seen that just be a bog-standard 40-point win where we shut down and that was the end of that. But we got the 90 points. We got the big percentage hit that we needed from it. Um, and we looked very good in doing so, I thought. So, for me, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, it puts us in a really interesting ladder position too because I just um, did a bit of sorting by percentage by points against and points for. Um, and the teams above us, they're high up on one of those, but we seem to be the only one in like the top five for both. Yeah. Um, so, that, I don't know, does that mean we're well balanced? I don't know. I think it means we're very competitive uh, no mm. matter who we, we play against, so... Um, and we've we've shown that I think you know the showdown could have gone either way. Um, we were looking really good for three quarters against GWS, so we are competitive against the good teams, and it's not like we're just uh, thrashing the the teams lower than us on the ladder. So, um, yeah, lots to look forward to this year. I think um, some individual performances. Robbie Gray he won the medal. Um, he had twenty two touches, nine marks, uh, kicked five goals, four. Uh, his radar was off a little bit. We know his radar for set shots is off. Um, on a regular basis anyway, but uh, some of those in the third quarter you really should have kicked. Yeah, look, it's... um, <laughs> uh, Robbie Gray's been struggling... Not struggling. He's been fighting in the midfield for years and years and years, uh, and it's been really great to see him go forward. It's it's like all these stories they tell you about, like, evolution. You know, you go and work, go into a hard environment, and then you try a new area, and suddenly you're more... Uh, tougher than anything else that's native to that environment. It just feels like how Robbie Gray is in the forward line now. You know, mm. like at the start of his career, he was a forward, uh, but all that time he spent in midfield having to really earn every touch he got. Now he can go forward and he's just complete. He's ready. He's a warrior. He's, yeah. he's learned what he needs to know. And uh, he's just a shark in that ecosystem. <laughs> he is, he's very much a, the great white shark, I think. He, um, yeah. he just gets a sniff and he wins the ball so often. Um, he's so clever. Uh, when the ball hits the ground, he's one of the best players below his knees. I think I've I've seen in footy for a long time, um, and he's shown it throughout his whole career as well. Um, but God, it would have been really nice just to see him kick seven or eight goals. I think that would have been wonderful. Yeah. But um, to end up with five goals for anyway, I mean he was uh, he was just about best on ground. I thought um, up there with a couple of others, but you know he's in pretty good form, uh, Robbie, and um, hopefully that can continue for the whole season. Yeah, look, I mean, in regards to the goals he missed and the one that Chad Wingard missed that he would never miss, um, I guess if you're going to say that they're going to miss a sitter at some point in their career, like, this is the game you want them to do it, yeah? Yeah. Like, not in a, not in a big game, but in a game where you're absolutely smashing the opponent, it doesn't really matter. Like, this, it's good for them to get their, their ridiculously bad misses out of the way in this game and then save yeah. the ones when it matters. But we do seem to do it in uh, the games that don't matter and the games that do matter as well. So that's not so much Wingard and Gray, though. Not so much Wingard and Gray. I think Robbie. No, does. they don't. I no, I does. don't agree. He usually does all right. Mm. That's a debate for another day, I reckon. Well, the sitters that he missed in this one, like he missed them that would absolutely you lock him in to get it every time. You know, I'm not talking about the half chances. I'm talking about the ones that were really dead easy, like, you know, 20, 30 metres out in front. on the line See, they're board. the ones I think he struggles with on a regular basis and has done for his whole career. Like, he's always been a poor set shot at goal, Robbie. Um, he's always been much better um, kicking them through general play as opposed to uh, lining up and uh, doing what he's got to do back there. Well, look, I mean, I'm inclined to 
let you win this one because you've got a better memory for these things than I do. Um, but my impression is not that that is the case. Okay. That's all right. Um, Jackson Trengove, um, pre-King uh, Hit, was uh, wonderful um, on, on yeah, uh, Friday yeah. night. Um, in two different positions as well. Like, he, he started off down back and um, did a really good job down there and then kicked three goals in the second half. Um, a really diverse pof- uh, performance by Jackson and um, shows his worth to the team, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I mean, I guess that's one of the things that's really good about Jackson is that he can do that. But also that when he does do that, he can sort of give his g to the whole team. It's kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, it's always great when Jackson kicks goals and turned up with three. And... Uh, that roving goal that he kicked was um, was something. Else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Mm. Um, yeah, it was just none of that was got a really, really good distance on it as well. So he's done well up forward. I've got to say, I was very <laughs> unsure of this move um, pre-season, but he has held his own up forward. He's kicked uh, what five goals so far for the year, so he's averaging a goal a game, which I guess is um, all you can ask for. Yeah, well, I mean, he was uh, at junior level again. He was a switch centre-half forward, centre-half back. So um, the yep. fact that we've only played in centre-half back doesn't mean he forgot what he learned all those years ago. And he's got a good straight kick, you know. <laughs> that's, that's what we got out of this. It didn't have any weird little bends or anything. It was pretty much arrow straight. So that was uh, very helpful. He's not a pretty kick, but he's no. very effective. It, it yeah. goes where it should go. Yeah, yeah. And he is a very good kick for goal. Yeah, no, he's pretty good. Pretty mm. decent. We've got a question on the Spreaker chat from Craig Jones, who's asked, uh, should Port only make one change, both for Homsch, or should Hammer come back in as well? Uh, both for Homsch, we're up against Brisbane. They do have... Yeah, we've got a reasonably tall forward line, I guess. Um, I'd be inclined to make one change. I think that Hammer... I think this has sort of made the case in the last off-season for trading Hammer because I don't think we need him. Um, Yeah. Like, he could come in, sure. He might... What will probably happen is that Aidan Johnson will go out and Hammer will come back or something like that. Yeah, I would think Um, that will happen. I think uh, uh, the emergence of Dan Houston has made Hammer playing off the back line completely irrelevant. Well, I wouldn't say completely irrelevant, but less necessary, like because it's, I don't I don't think they're a duplicate. Like I don't think the Hammer plays the same defensive role as Houston. I think they play reasonably different ones. I think that um, Houston is more an intercepting defender, whereas I still see when Hartlett plays as being more like a sweeper, in that he's yeah. not like um, Houston to me is more valuable because he is actually you know winning in the air as well. Whereas Hammer is more still going to be picking up marks a little bit loose or getting handballs from other people and things like that. So. It's a different focus, um, and it's one. It almost could be one that comes conditional, depending on who we play against. Because if we're going up against a team that has a, a, a forward line that isn't great at marking, Hartlett's probably more valuable, maybe, because there might be more kicks to space and running onto it, and that'll help him out as a loose man. Um, but if it is a team that's got the key forwards and you need someone cutting in front of their leads and taking marks, and I'm more inclined to go with Houston for that sort of role. So, for sure, don't know. But I think we could do. I, I think. Yeah, like I said, I think we could have done without Hamish this year. But there you go. Yeah. I still think uh, Hamish on a forward flank is the way to go if we're going to play him anywhere. Yeah. Does he have the run? I think so. Okay. Because, look, I'm not against that, for sure. That'd be interesting. Um, but I guess I he's back... pretty fit. He's not quick, but he's pretty fit, I think, and can run. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Depends if he gets his paper mache body right, which uh, we'll talk about now. He was laid out on Friday night with a quad soreness. Yeah. Um, and in came 19-year-old Aidan Johnson, who we spoke about in the preview, um, questioning why he was uh, named an emergency, because he's not played a lot of footy uh, so far this year. Um, but he came in for his first game. I wasn't too sure what I was going to uh, see out there from him. Um, but he actually looked really, really good. Um, ended up with 14 touches, five marks, a couple of goals, and uh, really did look at home out there. Yeah, look, I I think in the preview we did mention that this would be an excellent game for him to debut in as well. Um, yeah. That we weren't, also weren't sure whether how he fitted in regards to Matt White jumping over in them and jumping behind him. But look, well, he, I is, think... is Hammer really injured, or did uh, Kenny just listen to the podcast? I don't know, but then the other question is... Uh, considering both times we dropped Hartlett, it's been at the last minute. Mm. Um, was Hartlett always going to be dropped? You know, and he, Ken's playing games. Yeah, uh, it could be. Because I think both of those games he declared our team surprisingly early as well. Yeah. Um, so that could be a mind game thing <laughs> as well. Uh, but yeah, on um, Johnson, look, I think at halftime, he's another player at halftime. I was like, yeah, he's, he's doing all right. Like that goal he got, his first goal he got, he was very careful. You could see it in how he's approaching the goal. You could see he's very careful in how he did it. He wanted to get just far enough, but also not get caught and kick the ball just right. He was very aware of what he was doing. And I feel that other touches he had in the first half, I think he was a little bit more conservative than I'd like a forward to be. Not terribly. Um, yep. But he, obviously, he was in the first game, so I'm not going to give him too much shit for it. He was in his first game. He didn't want to have the big screw-up. Uh, but that was very evident in how he was playing, I felt. But yeah. then, then in the second half, he obviously, you know, the game kind of beyond doubt when he was getting away with it. Then he had showed a lot more confidence and was going with his first instinct. And I think in that time, he is actually doing a lot better because of that. So um, hopefully this has just been a, a really quick learning curve for him to get a lot of confidence in how he plays and um, bring forward that second half kind of confidence in his uh, ability in the future. And if it is, then that's great. Um, yeah. But it wouldn't surprise me to see him a little bit of a, a, little bit of a reversion. Um, we'll see. It'll be interesting. But that oh, second half was great. Yeah, for sure. I think he's the type of player that uh, next time he gets to go, he might get one kick for the game or something like that. And yeah, that's exactly. fine. He's he's not played a lot of footy. As we said, like in his draft year, he only played two or three games, then got uh, then got a season-long injury. Last year, he only played five games, I think, and got a season-long injury. Uh, so he's only really played eight games in two and a bit years. Uh, so he doesn't really have that um, base of playing at the lower levels and um, working through his confidence and his systems and, and doing all that stuff. So I do agree he was pretty careful in some of his kicks out there. Um, but I also really liked some of the, the good things he did in close. And especially in that first quarter, there was a couple of things that I didn't notice uh, at the ground that he did, uh, that I did see on replay, which were really, really nice. Some really quick gives um, mm, yeah. in, in tight, which I thought were really, really nice as well. Yeah, no, I agree. There were some great things. He did that second goal he got was pretty amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. Really, I think probably really instructive for the coaches too because you can, in every step of what he's doing, you can see him having an, another thought that changes what he does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the yeah. almost handball and then the no, not the handball, and then the, okay, let's just go to snap. Um, kind of fascinating. Yeah. And how, But how he didn't get a free kick for being legged, I don't know. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> I think even the uh, the Carlton player actually gave up because he realised he legged him and then he just let go and just laid on the ground and that was it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, he could be an interesting and an important player going forward because he's got great pace. Um, he can kick goals. Uh, if he can work on that consistency in time, that'd be really wonderful and 
um, you know, he could be he could become a, a quite an interesting sort of a component to that forward line. Yeah, I, I think he's definitely a guy who'll be in and out. Um, and what I did like though was that uh, this one again, getting back to that question from earlier. He is an outside player potentially, but he is not bad inside. Like there are a few close contests he was in. He was actually, like you said, quick with hands and pretty good awareness. So um, that's a good. That's the combination we need in the this kind of outside midfielders. So that that was encouraging as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, Bevan has asked on the speaker chat: Does the success of Johnson and uh, Darcy Byrne Jones last year make SANFL form irrelevant, or some players just show more at a higher level? Uh, I think that when you're looking at SANFL form, well, it depends on the age of the player as well. Um, for rookies... Yeah, I, want... I don't. A lot of people were pretty harsh on DBJ, I've got to say, and I always thought his SANFL form for the role that he was playing was actually really, really good. Like, he wasn't getting heaps of the footy, but he was... Like, not many people got goals on him, I've got to say, and uh, defensively, defensively, he was certainly doing his job at SANFL level. I think that if you're a player that has a one-on-one role, SNFL level, it's probably easier to demonstrate your ability for the AFL level. I think there are some roles that rely on structures that would be less successful visibly at AFL level, and that's probably, for my mind, that's going to be more outside-ish players yeah. um, because they are so much more dependent on the machine, um, even if they are a little bit inside as well. Um, so those are the guys I wouldn't take form into much account except for judging their endeavour uh, and their work rate. I think that's probably what the coaches go on more than anything else is just checking work rate. Because um, if they've got confidence in the player's skill set and their ability to have a level ahead at the higher level, then it's just about how hard they're willing to work or can work given injuries they might be recovering from. So Yeah. Uh, speaking of outside players, Carl Amon, I thought that was uh, pretty well his best game of AFL football to date. Yeah, was... He had 24 touches, 6 marks, 6 tackles. Um he used the ball exceptionally well. I think he ended up with something like 85% disposable efficiency. He was in the 90s for most of the game. Um, he ran hard. He collected the ball and just constantly delivered quality footy inside that forward 50. And um, when he wasn't doing that, the thing that pleased me the most was that there was three or four occasions, especially in that second half, where he really put his body on the line and, and won the footy as well. Yeah, it's kind of uh, the way they're playing Amon. Um, his role is going to look good or bad depending on who the opposition is because yeah. uh, if we're not winning in midfield, he seems to end up in defence more, and I don't like him there. Um, I, I, he does some okay things, but he just goes missing. He doesn't get enough of it, and I just don't think it suits him. But in this game where we had such good dominance in the midfield, he did spend most of his time in the forward half of the ground, and that's where he's a much, much better player. Um, and so I, 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 I don't really like the way that we're playing him. I would like to see him pretty much always be playing in the forward half of the ground because I think that's where his kick is of most value and his vision is of most value. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like him in that quasi-defender role. That's fair. I think um, the thing that really pleased me the most with Carl as well was his repeat running. Like, he'd dish off a kick, um, someone would mark it, and he'd just run on for the, uh, for the quick give as well, uh, mm. which I really liked. Um, and look, when he's in that sort of form, he's a very damaging footballer and could be very, very important come the uh, latter stages of this year. Yeah, look, I totally agree with that, for sure. Uh, Brad Ebert, he was um, one who I thought... He would have been my pick for the medal. He was a monster. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. He had 31 touches, 14 tackles, 9 contested possessions and 4 clearances. Uh, Could have ended up with a couple of goals as well. Um, 
he was a beast in the midfield and has been a beast in the midfield all season. Yeah, look, I think this has been kind of like a Josh Franco transformation for Brad Ebert in that, um, you know, when Josh Franco sort of started at Port, disregarding his SNFL form, he was a little bit more outside and his kick yeah. was not good enough to justify that. But then when we made him a full-time inside bid, he was a machine. And I think that we're seeing the same thing from Ebert. Um, you know, he's got the pace to run and that's great. But we really, the fact he's better in the contest because um, that's a position where your disposal quality, maybe it doesn't need to be quite as high as it does when you're on the outside. Um, so it's, I think it's been a good move, and I think that hopefully that's one that he can continue with. It's a huge transformation, and uh, mm. he's one of the form players in the competition at the moment. Um, and I certainly didn't see this coming after last year where he was playing mainly a defensive sort of tagging role yeah. um, and not getting a lot of the footy at, at all. Now he's uh, just become this inside monster, and uh, isn't it great to see? And uh, speaking of inside monsters, uh, Ollie Wines had another big game. Uh, I think he had 35 touches, uh, 15 contested possessions, and uh, used the ball exceptionally well as well. Yeah, look, you know Ollie Wines has done well when commentators are making excuses for Patrick Cripps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Look, yeah. Cripps had a big game. He had a huge game, but... Um, it wasn't Ollie Wines. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. right. Uh, Chad Wingard... It was good to see him run a bit further up the field again and uh, got a lot more of the bowl. Uh, Ten tackles, that was something that I wasn't expecting from him. Mm-mm. No, he did well. He put on a lot of good pressure. Um, it was a very compressed ground, I guess, with Colton not getting forward all that much. So um, I guess in that sort of circumstance, you do end up being a forward that tackles maybe a little bit more. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting to consider. Uh, yeah, there were a lot more. Actually, look at the, this tackle list. There were probably a few more forwards than usual getting in the tackles. Um, yeah, no, I think he played, I think he played a good game. Um, but then again, I would expect him to play a good game in those circumstances. So um, he did as he was expected. It was good. Yeah, uh, Charlie Dixon had a bit of a quiet one. Um, only the five touches, kicked two goals, <laughs> so he's consistent in that regard. I've got to say that our forward entries, especially through that second quarter, were absolute trash. Like yeah. <laughs> it was just the same. It was basically what we saw last year, just the same thing over and over and over again. And Carlton were just. Um, Easily able to stop that. We just banged it long to his head. We didn't wait for him to move. It was just, oh, Charlie's up there. Let's just kick it as far as possible and let him deal with it sort of thing. And something that um, one of my mates that came to the footy with me uh, commented on is that we've just got to, like, he has so much space in that forward line. We've just got to wait for him to move and then just kick it into that space. But we don't do it, which is very frustrating. Yeah, look, I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that this year Charlie Dixon always seems to get at least one early goal. And that's because that's when we're at our most focused and decisive in what we do. And then as soon as we have a bit of a scramble at some point, then that all goes out the window and he's back defending on it for himself. Um, I think there's a culprit uh, that is particularly noticeable. And it, it's also a player that you'd have to say, I thought played all right this week, and that's Jarman Impey. Um, I made a really careful point of watching when he went on his little midfield runs. Um, and he's quite good. He gains a lot of ground. But he is... He just loves bombing it long when he he's at the, the end ball. of his run. Yeah. It's, it, like, it's not even that he burns the ball kicking to a opponent, but he just goes, oh, well, I run out of room to run, and I didn't really look ahead, so I'll just kick it long and hard as yeah. I can. Like, that's, you know, that's, that's it's, it's not primary NFL standard. It's like you, it take your, you take your bounce, you run as far as you can, and then you just hoof it as, as hard as you can yeah. and hope for the best. And he did yeah. that a bunch of times. Like, one, of, one of them came off. One of them came off when he got it to Jackson Trango in the goal square, but a lot of them didn't. Yeah. Um, Look, he's not alone. Like There are quite a few other players that do do that. Chad is uh, culpable with that as well, as is uh, Sam Gray. Um, 
we yeah. really need another sort of... Uh, look, if everyone had uh, the kick of Jared Pollock, I, th- I don't think we'd lose a game for the next five years, I think. But, um, yeah, it, it's just frustrating when you see, especially from where I sit now, which is a bit high up, and you can really see the structures and, and the space involved. And you see this sort of 15, 20, 25 metres of, of lateral space that Charlie can run into. All we've got to do is kick to the space and he's going to mark it because he's bloody quick on the lead. And someone like Sam Rowe is not going to be able to keep up with him. But all we do is bomb it on his head. We've got Sam Rowe there and then someone like Weedering or McCready or someone else just comes in and punches it. It's, uh, it was very frustrating. Yeah, and look, on, on Sam Gray and Chad maybe uh, bombing it long a bit, like those are also two players I've seen spot up pretty good kicks to forwards this year, and I haven't, yeah. I haven't seen that, I haven't seen that from Impey. That's I guess that's one singling him out a little bit. Yep, for sure. Uh, Aaron Young, I thought was uh, in a bit better form um, on Friday night. He had sixteen touches and a couple of goals. It was good to see him kick a couple of goals. I thought. Yeah, I liked his um, fast thinking on the goal line in the last quarter, tapping yeah. forward to Robbie Gray in the goal square. That was yeah. uh, that was very good. That was very good. Anything else you want to talk about with this guy? Sam, I want to talk about Sam Pfeffer being the ground leading clearance winner. Yep. <laughs> in sixty percent game time, that's yeah. pretty. That, I mean, you look at the the raw statching. You know, he had seventeen touches, but like shit, you know, they were good touches and good non touches as well. Like that shepherd he laid in the last quarter. He's um, oh, that was a monster. That was huge. There'll, there'll be people saying, "Oh, he had a quiet week." It's like, no, nah, he didn't. Watch the game, you moron. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I've got to say, at the ground, you don't... Like, he's someone, when you watch the game the second time, you realise just how much good stuff he does. At the ground, because a lot of the things he does really in close, you don't tend to see it if you're looking elsewhere or something. But when, you, when you're watching on TV and you focus on what's happening in that moment, um, you just realise just how good he is. And yeah, eight clearances and 10 contested possessions in 60% game time is, uh, is great. And, that, and you could see... Um, again, that uh, that shepherd coming from a mile off, like he ran mm, mm. sixty meters to lay that shepherd. It was huge. Yeah, that's really good team football. Yeah, and that, that, I, think I guess we got that's a goal another... out of that as well. So, oh, that was the one that he bombed it long to Trangove, and Trangove got the goal. So yeah, yeah. we did. Um, that's one thing that's been an improvement this year is just the the more playing for each other. Like yeah. that's something again that has been very missing the last two years. Um, there was one game, I think it might have been the Crows game, where we were trying to sort of do shepherds, but the players weren't making sure they were useful mm. um, and actually connecting. But, um, yeah, certainly trying to do that a lot more, and that's good. That's the best sign of a team that's a bit functional, so, in my that's view. It. You don't get a stat for it. Mm. True. Um, right, SANFL Port played North Adelaide on Saturday at Albert and Oval and recorded a big 63-point victory, uh, 16 goals 15 to 7 goals 6. Uh, North actually kicked the first four goals of the game inside the first 12 minutes and uh, looked like it might be a long day for Port, but um, Port sto- uh, stormed home with a 12-goal to one second half. Um, Palmer, Eddie and Archie kicked three goals each, whilst Tom Marshall kicked uh, two goals as well. That's pretty good. Um, who got the first half goals? Uh, North Adelaide. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Marshall, Marshall kicked two in the first half, which was really yeah, good. He had a really good first half. Uh, he ended up with 13 touches, seven marks, and uh, a couple of goals, which um, which I think is a, a pretty good stat line for someone in his uh, third game, I think. So um, he was one that really did stand up when we were a, a bit under pressure. All right, and what do you think about Frampton? Frampton had another ripper game. He's okay. just about ready, I've got to say. He's, uh, he, he's very close to being ready for AFL call-up, I think. He had 20, 
22 touches, 6 marks, 19 hit-outs. Um, so he had a huge impact on the game. Look, I mean, I think that if he's going to be ready for an A-hole call-up, I'd like to see it this week um, because I think he, I think that against Brisbane you can get away with a few more taller players. Um, yeah. So I'd be pretty keen for him to get a run if we could manage it somehow. Well, speaking of another toll, um, Dougal Howard, he had 20 touches and four marks uh, playing down back. Oh, yeah, good uh, eye. He took a couple of really strong grabs as well. So he's um, someone that's just come back from his knee injury in tip-top form and uh, really is performing at SANFL level. Oh, that's excellent. Um, he'll need to because we've got a, an okay... Oh, no, actually, he's, if he's playing, is he playing good in defence? He is. Because he would be our tallest key defender if he was playing well in defence. Yeah, so, um, he is. He's, he is playing really well. Uh, okay. We know how well he can read the play, and he's doing that yeah, at the moment. So um, okay. he could be the wild card for that uh, defence. Could be. He could be. It'd be interesting. Mm. Mm. Uh, Brendan Archie, we were pretty disappointed with his performance last week after a huge first game, and he did have another huge game this week. He had 22 touches, three goals, uh I think four or five tackles as well. So um, he's one that um, really did perform again and maybe put his name um, up there for selection at some point in the near future. But they were second half goals, right? In the when we were smashing them. Uh, I think he had one at half time. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Cool. Good on him. Yeah. Uh, Joe Atley, um, our favourite. He had twenty-four touches, five marks, six tackles. Uh, so he yeah. again is just. Uh, Showing a lot of consistency for someone so young, um, straight away after getting drafted, which is great. Look, I mean, I think that was the thing about his his style of play is that it is very consistent, uh, and I think it's part of how he described him in the draft thing is that he's not going to be the guy that you're going to think kills you, but he'll be the guy that just you have to account for in some way because otherwise he'll just get a bunch of touches. And it's good to see he's doing that already. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Tumpus had another pretty decent showing with 28 touches and nine marks. Um, he's getting a lot of he's getting a lot of the ball. Uh, we've got a lot of defenders, but um, defense, at okay. least he's being uh, a bit consistent. Mm. I don't think we're really in the market to add more defenders to our AFL side right now. So <laughs> nah, probably not. Shit out of luck, probably. Yeah. Uh, the other one that's worth talking about is Jesse Palmer, who had okay. uh, 28 yep. touches, nine marks, and three goals. Um. That's not so bad. again, that's a, that's a huge stat line, and uh, again, he's someone that's um, sort of not been talked a lot about uh, in the preseason. He sort of went missing a little bit, but uh, he's had a couple of good games, um, and I'd really like to see what he can do at AFL level. I think he's got a lot of talent. Um, he's got a decent height. Um, if Youngie starts to falter a little bit, that might open up the spot for uh, Jesse Palmer to come in. I guess. Um... If we go for a common criticism among Port fans, it's that we don't have accurate delivery when we're going forward. Um, and I'm not sure that Palmer really improves that. Um, I think he's good, good work rate, but it, it, I don't know, is his accuracy improving as far as his field kicking? I think it's getting better. Uh, he still does the odd kick, the odd sort of helicopter kick and the kick that falls a bit short. But yeah. um, I think it is improving from what we've seen in the last couple of years. Because honestly, like if I'm if if I'm okay, if you put if you put me on the the board of selectors, that's the one thing I really want to see a Palmer before I select him for the AFL side is that he's worked on his um consistency of his accuracy when he's kicking to, for example, leading forwards or just forward generally. Because I, I do think he can spray it a bit, and we need to be moving away from that kind of player. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. Uh, Slick Rick has asked uh, Marshall, shall he see uh, some games? 
uh, this year? Uh, I, I think he could. I think he could. Um, it really depends on whether we come out of the the bye week uh, deciding that we're going to play tall forwards again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think that the, the guy we already talked about a little bit is probably more likely as Billy Frampton because then we can send Ryder forward and that might be more instantly productive. Um, I think he might be more likely to get a shot than Marshall this year. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule it out. If West stuff gets injured, I wouldn't rule it out. Yeah, for but sure. But that's not that's not very likely. Well, then I still think Dougal Howard's probably ahead of him as well. Oh, uh, not for a West off role. Do you reckon Howard was basically doing a West off role last year in the site? Yeah, but he doesn't have that same agility and ball sense. I don't think. I don't know. I think I think that the the burst speed the um, Marshall gives him an edge on that kind of thing. But yeah. Look, Marshall's got a long way to go, especially defensively, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, like, he might come in and kick a goal or two, but <laughs> I think there's the chance that his direct opponent might get 28 touches as well, which I think will be <laughs> uh, the problem and why uh, he's probably got a bit more development to go through at SNFL level before we'll see him um, debut, I think. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. The other one, or the last player, was uh, Steve Summonen, the captain, with uh, 38 touches, 14 marks and a goal. Just uh, ludicrous. Yeah, settle well, down, what, Steve. It's what you want in the captain, isn't it? So, <laughs> yeah, good on him. So, did you do your homework? I did not do any homework. <laughs> <laughs> Neither did I. Sorry, Craig. Uh, Most, mostly because I forgot what the question was. And, uh... <laughs> the question was um, looking through who's uncontracted and uh, seeing who is in a bit of trouble and who's likely to be kept at the end of the year. Look, this is the thing. This is why I grab it on and on about um, having shorter contracts than we have done for players that are maybe a bit fringe, is that we don't actually have to decide right now. We've got a little bit of time to decide and go on form and keep the players motivated. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's obviously some stuff we can do. Unfortunately, the players I'd probably most like to get rid of have longer contracts, which is frustrating as hell. Yeah. Um, and I'm talking about Lobby and um, Jake Need there. But, uh, yeah, no, look, I think it's great. It keeps them motivated. And I don't think – I certainly – I don't think we would offer any extensions before China. And then after that, I really wouldn't want to see any extensions off until around, I don't know, around 15. Yeah. I reckon that's about the mark. To start yeah, talking. that's fair. Not talking a bit about the green. I think there's a few players in trouble. I think Matty White's in trouble. I think Angus Monfries yeah. is in trouble. Nathan well, Cracker – uh, yeah, I still don't understand why we put him on the senior list anyway. Uh, so I would happily uh, say goodbye to him. Um, Sam Gray might be trade bait. Uh, there was talk last year that there was quite a few clubs interested in him. So he might be someone that um, that we might put up for trade to see what we could get. Uh, Brennan Archie, cool. I think, is in a bit of trouble. Jimmy Tumpus as He's well. That's probably it for the time being, I think. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what the uh, contract status of Palmer and Frampton is, but they're two others that do need to perform, I think. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, as far as Sam Gray being trade bait, like, he's a, he's a small sort of half-forwardy guy. Like, we're not going to get much for him if we get anything. So I'm not really keen to try and even bother throwing him around out there. Um, and he is useful enough. Like, if he has to play in the SNFL because there isn't a spot from a top level, but then he comes in for injuries, like, I'm okay with that being Sangre's role. Maybe he is. Um, yep. Maybe it might be that he actually initiates that he wants to get a more guaranteed opportunity elsewhere, and that'd be fair enough. But there's other guys you mentioned, what, 
Cracker, Tumpus, uh, Archie. I, I, they can all go. That's cool. Cam Hewitt, uh, someone's asked about Cam Hewitt on the Spreaker chat. I would think he's in a bit, in a bit of trouble, which um, yeah, he just needs to start playing again, I think. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure what his role would be at AFL level, uh, so he might be in a touch of, of bother as well. But, again, like we saw Dan Houston completely change his role this season, and he's been an absolute um, world beater, so you never know. We haven't talked. We didn't talk about Dan Houston. I thought he was excellent this game. I just want to he say was. he's excellent he was, every game. <laughs> he look. He is. He is so unique because he's cold blooded. Yeah, like when you see him in high pressure, he's got no element of panic to him at all. No. It's, it's bizarre. Like you know, okay, he's good at the marking and all that stuff. But then when you see him working in close, like he's just exactly the same. He's just like, okay, I do this, I do this. Like he's at a meat packing plant or something like that, doing the same thing every day. But he's not. Yeah. It's always different and creative and accurate. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's fantastic to see that kind of level headedness. That's he's the only guy on our side that does, that's got that. <laughs> yeah. He just. I don't know what it is about him. He just picks the right option every single time. And it and it comes off like he's just so cool under pressure. He can deal with physical pressure. He can deal with um, mental pressure, and he just uh, is able to deliver the football um, first class. And that's why I said like he's basically taken over Hartlett's role down back is because that's probably why we chose to put Hartlett down back in the first place was to use his leg um, to try and get us out of trouble. But um, he also defends exceptionally well. Which is, he, uh, yeah, he's just a monster footballer at the moment. And uh, I'm really going to look forward to seeing his career progress because um, the sky's the limit with Dan. And I think, uh, you know, he could easily get to, say, all Australian level. Yeah, look, I mean, if he keeps playing like this, he should be already this year. Um, he's, if he can, if he can maintain that level of focus, and that's what's amazing about it, like just the ability to focus that clearly on what he needs to do. Like, he doesn't, he's not as though he's a clanger king or anything like that. He's just so sharp and quick and certain in what he does it's absolutely fantastic he's already playing like a hundred gamer like this is the performance i would expect from a five or six season footballer no i haven't seen a player at port adelaide in the afl that has had that same degree of level-headedness ever at at any point the closest would be someone like brett montgomery maybe or warren treadray but apart from that no okay no no one big call that's a huge call not even a guy like Stephen Paxson, because you could see him get rattled, but Houston's getting rattled less than him. Yeah, that's true. I was going to bring up Paco, but uh, good old Paco. What a legend. Oh, I know. He was great. Yeah. He was a great player. Well, I think that's us done for this evening. Um, okay. Thanks for coming on again. Yeah, that's all right. That was good fun. To talk about two wins. Yeah, it's a nice little change. What are you expecting from uh, Brisbane this week? Are you a little bit nervous about that? Because they have been in pretty good form. I think that they're a side that look they're not they're not height deficient, so that's a bit more of a concern. And I think they're probably going to be as focused on contested ball as we are. Um, so I think that's something we're going to have to combat, um, yeah. and that will stop us from beating them by a hundred points. <laughs> mm. um, what it actually makes us do, though, I'm not certain. So it'd be interesting to see. I, I'm I'm more I'm definitely a lot more uncertain about this week than I was against Carlton. Oh, definitely, yeah. There, there was minimal chance we were going to lose to Carlton. I'm a bit nervous about this one already. Um, I'm going to watch their game uh, probably tomorrow night, I think. And take some notes, get ready for Thursday night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this one's going to be one where we really need to be switched on. 
yes, I, I, I kind of, I agree. Not that they're going to necessarily push us the whole game, but that if we have a slack period, they will exploit it. Yeah, mm. that's it. Right. Nice. Have a good week, and uh, yeah, speak to you again on Thursday. Too. Oh my god, that was a quick podcast. It was. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Speak to you later, and Port fans, hooray, we, we got a good win. And hey, how good is that win against Freo looking now? That's looking not too bad it's at the moment. It's looking pretty good. It's looking very good. Well, that's, no uh, that's something we can talk about, I guess, is um, what did you think of the other games this round? Uh, look, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of keen to get back to the Melbourne game, which is on right now, Melbourne are up. Um, I was a little bit surprised. about that, honestly. Like... Yeah, yeah. Hawthorne beating West Coast was disappointing, but they did have to win eventually. Fremantle yeah. beating North Melbourne. That was a good one. That was a very good one. They came from nowhere and yes. uh, looked classic <laughs> North Meltdown, I think. That was wonderful. Yeah, a bit earlier in the season than last year. Um, very much. And uh, GWS beating Sydney. Yeah, that's a real tale, I think. That'll be one of their, you know, for those 10 GWS fans, that'll be one of the games they remember for a long time. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mark that one down. Yep, yep, yep. Very important to 10 people in the 10 years' time. That's it. All right. Mm. Until next okay. time. All right. Can't Calm the power. Calm ports. Carlisle sends it long. Modlop just on and takes the mark. He can give Port Adelaide the lead. Hamstring hurt. Plays on. Sends it high. Goal square. Long. McVay gets back. Port Adelaide in front. The magic man of all people. He had to be the 